Bonjour, hi, and welcome uh, to the very first episode of the Step Over Podcast. Don't stop it, studio audience. You get out of here. Go on, get, get. Anyways, welcome to the show. Hopefully, if you're joining us right now, um, it's because you want to hear what's going on with soccer in Ottawa. And I know it's early March. It's still cold. It's still a pandemic. But regardless, there's a lot starting to happen. Enough that for a second, you might even start to think things are getting back to normal. If you play, rec leagues across the city are starting registration now, planning their upcoming seasons. We just saw the Canadian national women's team play in the She Believes Cup, where Ottawa's Vanessa Gilles had a breakout performance in just her third game with the national team uh, in the game against the United States. She played one game uh, before having to return to France to her club team, FC Girondin de Bordeaux. With university teams, Carleton and Ottawa, we've seen player commitments and transfers for the upcoming season. The Carleton women are going to have players like Missy Balachorek transfer in from Texas Rio Grande Valley, and Raquel Costa-Correa transferring from Youngstown State University. The Ottawa women's side had a bunch of new commitments announced recently. Nami Naguyan is coming from Saskatoon. Julianne Lacasse is based here in Ottawa. Charity Cormier from Cherryburg, Nova Scotia. They'll all be new to the team this year. If you choose to follow this podcast, I hope you do. Hopefully names like these and more uh, will be a bit more familiar to everyone because these are all top quality players. And honestly, we're so lucky to have them uh, playing at the level that they are in Ottawa. And that leads me to the first question that I want to throw out to all of our new listeners. And I know there's so many of you out there and we'll throw the question out on all the socials too. Uh, is what level of soccer do you want more coverage of? And not just from this podcast, but in like in general, you don't see enough of it. You don't hear enough of it. Like, do you want to know about university and college soccer? Do you want to know about the regional clubs? West Ottawa, OSU, International, Gloucester, you name it. Do you not hear enough about Atletico Ottawa? Maybe you're not satisfied with the level of coverage there. That's okay. We want to know. Anyways, let us know uh, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, or email us at thestepoverpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. Now, what I want to talk about today, though, we're actually going to go back to the end of January. Um, on the 29th of that month, the Canadian Premier League announced the draft selections for the 2021 CPL U Sports Club Draft. So if you're not familiar with the CPL U Sports Draft, that's okay, we'll get you caught up. So the Canadian Premier League has a partnership with U Sports, uh, which is the governing body for all university sports in Canada. And this year, 16 players were drafted uh, in a two-round draft. The first overall pick was Thomas Gardner by FC Edmonton. He's out of uh, UBC, Atletico Ottawa drafted number two, and with that pick they chose Carlton's Chris Malakos. Ottawa also picked 15th, and with that pick they chose Reggie Lorea. He's out of York University, and if that name sounds familiar, his brother Richie plays for Toronto FC. I mean, if the talent level is anything like his brothers, uh, Atletico Ottawa's got a great pick there. So what happens next with these draft picks is they get brought into the training camps at their respective clubs. Um, so Chris and Reggie are going to be joining Ottawa. Um, And if they do well, then they can actually get signed to what's called a development contract, which is really neat and unique in sports in Canada. So with the partnership in place with U Sports, Canadian Premier League development contract is essentially a scholarship, which gets paid into the player's student account. So they come in and the club can put a maximum of uh, $10,000 into the student account. And the kicker is when the season's over, the player can then go back to school. They haven't lost their amateur status that they need uh, to continue playing youth sports so they can so they can play with their university team and get experience at the pro level. So that's something that had not been an option until the first youth sports draft in 2018. 
And the players that get picked, uh, they're not token players. Um, there's people who, you know, not everyone gets signed to a contract at all. Some people, some players get drafted. They go to the training camps. Uh, they don't get kept on. That's fine. They go back to school. But every year, several players do get kept on for either developmental contracts uh, or they get signed to fully professional contracts too. Carlton's Gabe Batar was the first ever U Sports draft pick, and he got signed to a developmental contract with Cavalry FC in Calgary. Players like Peter Schall, Christian Ochsner, Zach Verhoeven, Abu Bakr Sissoko, Easton Ungaro, players like that have all come out of the U Sports draft, gone pro. Joel Waterman, drafted by Cavalry in 2018, he's now playing with Montreal in MLS. So the players that get drafted, these are serious players, top quality players with serious potential. So for our inaugural episode, I had the fantastic good fortune to have a chat with Ottawa's first ever draft pick, Chris Malikos, as well as his coach at Carleton, Quasi Loney, himself top quality. He was the 2019 U Sports Coach of the Year and has turned Carleton into a bit of a powerhouse. So on a cold February evening, I whipped up a hot chocolate, opened up Zoom, and had a really nice chat uh, with Chris Malikos and Quasi Loney. Here you go. Uh, so you're my first guest. So uh, like really the honor is more yours than mine, you know, being my first guest uh, <laughs> on what's going to be a really like, obviously just like one of the big podcasts uh, in the sports world. So I guess I'll start. Um, Chris, uh, you are uh, a Ravens defender um, and you're also Atletico Ottawa's first ever draft pick. Uh, so congratulations Great. on that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, and uh, Kwesi, um you're uh, the director of soccer operations for the men's and women's soccer teams, and you're the reigning U Sports Coach of the Year. So congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So to get things going, um, it's minus 20 out there. I've got my hot chocolate. <laughs> Is there anything you guys like to have, uh, you know, on like cold days that kind of get you warmed up? Maybe a coffee is always nice. Yeah. Coffee is always nice. If not... Uh... I'm more of a just water guy, pretty much, but uh, okay. maybe a little boring. But uh, that's what that's what I prefer for sure. <laughs> right yeah, and you crazy? I, I'm uh, I'm actually pretty big into teas. I like uh, different types of tea. Uh, you know, I just try out different ones. Uh, okay, you know, any on a cold day. Uh, right now, I'm into this uh, this honey lemon ginger infused tea. Uh, we have a diffuser for it, so it's uh, just different. Something 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 to try. Right on. Okay, I like it. Um, So first off, Chris, uh, so you were drafted number two overall in this year's uh, CPL U Sports draft. Uh, That's awesome. Um, Can you tell us like how you found out uh, about being drafted first? And and do you remember like what your first reaction was to that? Uh, Well, I found out through the TV. (laughs) I... uh... No, the the reaction was was crazy. Where I was, I was pure enjoyment. I was screaming. I remember I had to I had to replay what Mista said because the I was I was just full full of joy. I was screaming. I was screaming. But uh, leading up to it, I was definitely a little nervous. You know, obviously didn't know uh, what was happening. But the day the day of, I I did get a box in front of my door. And it told me not to open it till uh, 3 p.m., so I didn't. And uh, no, pretty much, I, I want to see if I was uh, I was drafted from the TV. And then the, the TV literally, I, I I figured out live, and the 
still still a little bit of a shock. I'm not a little bit of a shock, but uh, pure excitement, I would say. And uh, no, it was just a huge honor, especially because it was from the the hometown club. And uh, any any team that would have picked me, I would have been happy. But because it was Atletico, because it was hometown, it was uh, definitely a special place in my heart. And just being able to have a chance to represent the city, the school, and uh, just the town and everything is just a great honor, I would say. You know, when you get ready for the draft, uh, like, you know, what's the process like getting ready? Because you have to declare for the draft first, right? Right, right. Are people in contact with you ahead of time? Um, you mean uh, coaches or you mean um, like who do you Anyone, mean people from the league, coaches? Um, for in my case, no, no one was really in contact with me before, before, during the whole week, during the, the whole, um, during the whole process. It was more, it was more just the draft that told me if I was, I was picked or not. I know I'm, I'm not sure. Actually, I can't speak for anyone, but I know I'm, I'm sure some, some people have maybe got a phone call from a coach or two before a few days before tell them that they might get picked for the draft or something. But in my case, it was definitely just finding out during the live broadcast. And uh, that was about it. That was about it pretty much. And like, were you with anyone when you found out? I was with a few of my, uh, two of my good, very good buddies. Uh, my, my parents were at the cottage. So I was, uh, I didn't want to be alone for that moment for sure. So I invited a few of them over, uh, two of them over and uh, I was very happy they came for sure. <laughs> right. On. Well, it's great that you got to share with someone. That must've been a really great moment for you. Yeah, yeah, I know it was a surreal moment for sure. And uh, like I said, just just an honor, really. Um, and crazy. Uh, so Chris was uh, the first of three of your players to get drafted. Um, I mean, that's got to be kind of nice for you, too, because, I mean, you're the guy who's kind of bringing these these players along uh, and getting to this moment. Like what was you know each of those moments like for you? I mean, it was it was it was extremely proud of my, of my players. It was an exciting moment for the program, for the university. Uh, I was very happy for them. I mean, I know you know the amount of work that they've put in, you know, day out and day in in our program. I don't think many people get to see that. Everybody sees the end result, which is the games, but you don't get to really see the commitment that these guys put in, right? Because they they are student athletes. So you're talking about carrying a full course load. Um, during the day and then finding time to to make training sessions and you know do the extra training as well to make sure that they're at their optimal best and I mean I think it's just a true testament to the work they've put in Um, and I think it's a testament to the program I mean uh, I like obviously I congratulate my three players Uh, we had two other players that were in the draft that unfortunately weren't selected this year but I mean we we've created a quite the culture within our program um, where it forces everybody to compete and be at their best. And, and I, I like to think that um, the, our, our three players I got selected and obviously Chris, you know, being the, the second pick in the draft, um, you know, they benefit from that environment, right? So it's, an, it's super intense, very competitive, and it pushes them to have to be consistent, to have to be at their best all the time. So I think um, for them, it's, it's a great testament to their commitment to the program, to commitment to, to excellence and and to get that uh, recognition of three players drafted and, and Chris going number two overall to the hometown team is, is, is a fantastic moment for us in our program. So I'm very happy for the guys. So, I mean, 2020 wasn't a normal year for anyone. And, uh, you know, for an athlete who, who uh, you know, who's getting ready for a moment like this, you know, there was no season for you. So what's like, really, this question is for both of you. Like, what's the last year been like? 
with a program like Carlton's? I mean, I'll, I'll start very quickly. Um, I mean, obviously we got the news of the pandemic when it hit back in, you know, last, last March and, and we were in the middle of, of our off season training. And I don't think anybody expected it to, to last as long as it has. And, you know, you know, the implications that's had on sport. Um, but for, for us, you know, through the summer, um, I mean, we were still able to train and we were able to play a little bit, you know, our proximity to Quebec allowed us to participate in some of the PLSQ games there, which allowed our players to continue to, to play and train in that environment. Um, and then in the fall uh, at this time, I mean, most universities were still allowing um, social distance training. So, you know, we were still together. We were still training to a certain extent. Um, and I think the guys just appreciate just being together. I mean, they, they knew that we couldn't full out train and, and be as competitive as we wanted to be, but you know, we were still able to be creative and work on different elements of our game and, you know, just be around each other. I think that, 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 that says a lot about us. And we only ended training um, probably the week before Christmas. So we trained right up until that moment, you know, moving indoor um, training, you know, under the, uh, the guidelines of the Ottawa health uh, officials and you know, the protocols that were in place by our university. And our guys did a great job adhering to it. Um, it wasn't always ideal, but they knew that, you know, just being able to be on the field, with a ball in this particular time um, was a gift. And we want to just appreciate the opportunity to be together. So, Yeah. And just adding on to what Quasi said, it was uh, definitely a week to week basis to figure out uh, if we're able to play or not. So every week it was uh, just our, our motivation and practice. We knew it was, uh, as Quasi said, a gift. So that just added to the intensity of practicing because we knew any week we could have uh, been back at home and without, without a ball at our feet, without playing with our, uh, with our, with our friends and our teammates. So it was definitely, um, definitely grateful, grateful also to uh, OSU to let us be able to train and uh, have a team to play into the PLSQ. And uh, yeah, the, with Carlton as well during, during our, the, um, the fall months, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. We, I know a lot of, a lot of teams around the country weren't able to play. So us being able to train together and having a, our Carlton team be pretty local. It was nice because a lot of our guys, we were able to, to still see each other when we we're practicing and it was, no, it was great. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you also play with OSU as your club team. Um, and you know, the other two draft picks, uh, Stefan Karajivanovic, I believe is his name. Uh, and Tony <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you all play with OSU and I think, uh, you know, so one thing about this draft is that uh, people who are used to, you know, uh, watching the NHL draft, the NBA draft, the, you come from a school, you don't also have a club, but you also, but you have a school and a club. Um, maybe more for Quasi, like, um, how do you, do you have a lot of communication with the clubs that your players are also involved with? Um, and, and how has that been this past year? Yeah, I mean, normally... You know, before we, uh, we break for the summer, I mean, we always have meetings with the players. We talk about, you know, what our summer programming would be. I mean, we do have still um, requirements of our players, more, you know, gym training and, and whatnot that they have to adhere to for the summer. Uh, but then we always also talk about where they're going to play. I mean, we try not to, to put too many um, commitments on them from a playing perspective because I think the summer is, is a time for them to relax and enjoy time with friends and whatnot. But, you know, obviously this summer was a bit different with the pandemic. So, um, yeah, we've had a conversation as a, as a team and as a group and the opportunity with, with OSU moving into the PLSQ uh, league in Quebec opened up and we discussed it as a group and, you know, what everybody's comfort level was um, in terms of, 
you know, playing and, and engaging in this league. And, and don't get me wrong, not all of our players participated because everybody was in different circumstances, but we had, you know, quite a bit that allowed us to form the nucleus of that team. But we did have players um, that played with us that were from Ottawa, but like from the University of Guelph, we had players from Queens. Um, we had some players that returned from the NCAA. So it was, you know, it was a bit of a mix. It was kind of like, uh, you know, of who's who from Ottawa, you know, soccer. So it was kind of cool to kind of have that experience with some players um, in the summer. But, you know, the, the bulk of the team was, uh, was Carlton players as well. So outside of soccer, like what have you guys been doing to kind of keep yourself busy? Um, has it been like 100% soccer or like what's kind of outside uh, to keep you guys sane during this time? Do you want to go crazy or do you want me to go? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll let Chris go. I'm interested to hear this myself. So I'll, let, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll see what, uh, what Chris comes up with here. <laughs> uh, well, especially considering my circumstances last year where I wasn't able to participate in a Nash, the national tournament due to injury. Uh, the whole year for me, uh, seeing, my, seeing my teammates play in a national tournament without me, I was, I was pretty devastated to say the least. So ever since I was back, I was full, full, full throttle going into, into practice, doing my own trainings, been running, running like a maniac, been doing all my, all my own personal training, touching the ball and all individual training. So for me, it's definitely been just a chance to improve like individually and definitely studying a game of, of football to another level, especially without as many distractions where um, going to like going to school and literally because you could do school online and stuff like that takes a lot of t- makes your day a lot shorter as in you don't have to commute you don't have to you don't have too many arrangements and stuff like that so this year for me has definitely been a lot more football uh, oriented De- definitely just uh, training my body to get to the level I want to be and get back into into we're hoping for a, a we were supposed to host nationals this year. So that's all I was looking forward to as well. So that was, that was my main motivation. And then once, uh, once we found out that we were, the season was canceled, it's still, um, we knew there was a possibility to draft and I knew it was going into my fourth year university and, uh, finishing that up. So it was definitely just definitely, definitely, f- uh, football oriented for sure. <laughs> so there was no like binging tiger King Mandalorian. None of that. <laughs> I, I watched the last dance. I watched the last dance. I got okay. like a Jordan one. That was good. But, yep. Um, no, may- definitely, definitely just soccer related. I'm not the biggest TV guy, not the biggest TV guy. Definitely finishing up my school has been, I uh, had a few big classes in the first semester that I had to focus on. So it was definitely a balance between school and, and soccer. And that was about it. But that's, that's what I love to do. So I'm, I'm not complaining at all, you know. <laughs> so Quasi, was that the right answer? Yeah. I mean, that's a great answer for me. I like, I love to hear that. I mean, um, when we, when we, when, uh, when we were initially uh, put in lockdown back in, I guess, March, um, you know, when, when the pandemic initially hit, um, I mean, we moved uh, seamlessly into, you know, the online training, you know, so through like, you know, platforms such as Zoom. And I think a lot of clubs, a lot of universities did that as well. Like we were doing, I want to say two to three times a week, um, just technical work on the ball, right? And and it, and it, it was fantastic to see the commitment from our players. I mean, they were there at you know I think it was ten o'clock in the morning till eleven, and we tried to run it as close to a regular practice as possible. Like we had full warm ups, um, we had activation, we did cool downs. I mean, we did a lot of ball work. 
Um, you know, we had guys that were outside, guys that were inside, but we were able to do it with only with only three yards of space. So we got really creative and the guys all, all adhered to it and it was fantastic. And then obviously we moved into the summer, we were able to do a lot more. And, and then at this period of time, you know, presently, I mean, we felt like, you know, a lot of, a lot of athletes now are, are, are getting a little bit of Zoom fatigue or online fatigue because everything is online, right? You have classes online, interactions are online, family gatherings are online. So we didn't want to, you know, overburden them with, with continued work. So what we have actually done, we've created like a, a guest speaker series. And what we've done, we've brought in different individuals from the game um, to speak to our players, just, you know, have them expand their mind a little bit more about, you know, different perspectives. Again, like, for example, we had uh, Julian de Guzman who, who spoke to the team a couple of weeks back and, you know, he just shared his experience, right. Which was invaluable to our players, right. To, 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 to see and hear uh, a, a Canadian player reach the feats that, that he did and to share his journey um, and how he was successful is extremely valuable to our players. And uh, we also had uh, Carolyn Chenard, um, who is the retired, you know, international uh, FIFA referee, Right. And just her giving us insight into the psyche of a referee was incredible for our, for our players. Right. So we didn't feel like everything um, needed to be uh, on the ball directed by us as, as coaches. We felt like the players, as Chris indicated to you, um, could take a lot of that on their, on, the, on their own and let them, you know, dictate, you know, what, how often they were doing it, when they wanted to do it. Um, you know, and uh, we felt like that's that's worked out really well because it puts the onus on them. Right. If this is important to you, this is a passion for you, then use it as an outlet. We didn't want it to become a burden. Right. We wanted them to use it as an outlet, but we want to create other means for players to be together, to see each other and also to, to, to think about the game and expand their minds, you know, on a different level outside of just, you know, playing or just watching a match. Crazy. When you you first saw Chris play, like what um, like what did you want him on your team? Like what what qualities did he bring that 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 made you say, like, I I need him to be on my Raven squad. Yeah, I mean, very unique about Chris, and I, and I always like to share this, is because Chris was not, we, we didn't recruit Chris directly. Like, we, we, Chris came out for us in an open tryout. And out of, you know, 65, 70 players that we had in a very small uh, training session, I mean, he stood out, right? And then, and then after that, I, I think what ended up happening was that uh, – we invited him out to another training uh, training session uh, in an ID camp. And again, this is still not amongst our, our active roster. This is still against trialists. And um, he was consistent. He showed his ability to play um, consistently. And what Chris brought for us was that, uh, that physical presence. I mean, uh, he was dominant in the air. Uh, he was excellent in the tackle. Had a, a you know exceptional work rate about him, and you could just see that in, in, in every element of the game. And 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 what was surprising for us was his, also his ability to score, to create chances in the in the attacking third, which was very unique um, from a defender of his quality and his style. And and I mean, um, also realizing that for Chris's first year was only my second year as a head coach, right? So that second year for me was that was the year that I actually. I think we brought in like 16 first-year players. I really sh changed the whole dynamic of the team and the program and how we trained and how we did a lot. So, so Chris was there, you know, in my kind of real first hands-on year as a head coach, right? And I always knew, um, you know, what I wanted from my team, the quantum characteristics, and, 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 you know, Chris definitely suited, you know, my type of center back. I mean, I, I played that position when I was, you know, when I was at university and, and all through my career and the qualities that, that Chris displayed was something that we knew that we needed to, to have within our team as a foundation, as a backbone 
for us to have success. Chris, during your time at Carlson, like what have you learned from Crazy? Uh, definitely a lot of his mentality and um, just every every time he every time he talks, the you could tell the whole the whole squad's just focused on what he has to say because he's played at a high level himself. And uh, we know that he's been through many experiences related to football and just related to uh, life itself. So he's been a great mentor to a whole team. So everything, everything he says, we all try to, to like soak it in like a sponge, I would, I would say. And uh, you could tell that like he wants us to grow as a, as a team, but not only that, but we could tell that he wants to grow as a coach himself, which just motivates us even more, you know, like every training you could tell that, He's trying to add some new stuff, add some, uh, make us keep making us think, keep making us uh, improve ourselves. So no, definitely uh, all around. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so crazy. Is that what you're going for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we asked that kind of question. You never know what your answer you're going to get. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm very emotional. I'm very explosive. Uh, I, I'm very passionate. So, you know, I, I, I like to, you know, the, my players get to see every aspect of me. Right on. Um, so, Chris, uh, this podcast is going to be listened to by thousands of Atletico Ottawa fans. Uh, we want you to, to really sell yourself. Um, how would you describe yourself as a player? Um, definitely as Quasi uh, Quasi mentioned, physical, dominant in the air, winning. Win, I want to win every tackle. If if one person gets by me, I'm I remember that moment and I'm trying and I'm never going to let that happen again is in my mind. That's my mentality. Go hundred percent during the whole game. Uh, leave it every, every game I think of, I, I feel like it's my last game in a way, you know, it's, that's how I want to play. Just present as, as Quasi's mentioned many times, you never know who's watching during our game. So definitely, um, I want to impress everyone that, that comes in and hope to inspire little, little kids to do the same, you know, just, just play your heart out, do, do the very best you can. And people are going to recognize that. And that's what I, I want to bring to the table. Crazy. Uh, is that about accurate? Yeah. I mean, I think what's important to understand with Chris is, is Chris is Ottawa. Like Chris is, I mean, you, you look at young kids today in, in, in the club system and, and that was Chris, right? I mean, Chris was a young player, you know, grew up here in the city um, you know, played Ottawa Internationals, you know, um, played his football locally. Um, I mean, from my, my understanding, didn't, didn't go through the whole, o, the OYSL or the OPDL structure. Um, went, to univer- went to Carleton University because he went here for academics and he wanted to play football. Um, and then he was committed to the program. And every year, I mean, Chris was an all-star in our program. Every year, Chris, Chris showed how valuable he was to our program. So I feel... I feel when, you know, the fans of Ottawa should, 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 should see Chris, you know, as, and, and see themselves in him, right? Because re, he, he is, you know, he went to our local high schools. He went to our elementary schools. He played in our, in our local football leagues. And, and now Chris is, has an opportunity to step on the field as a professional playing for his home city. And I think that's something that every young player in Ottawa needs to aspire to and understand that, you know, not every pathway, you know, is the same. And, and Chris took a path not taken by many. And you know, he saw it through to the very end. And, and now he sits here before you as the first draft pick ever for Ottawa. I mean, that's a incredible story. And I think every, every young player, every, every family, every, every parent should be able to, to, you know, to believe in that and, and see that in themselves too, as well. Um, Chris, that actually reminds me that 
you do go to school. Um, I'll, what program are you in? I'm in uh, business management. Okay. Um, do you see that as being part of, uh, you know, your, your post-soccer career? Yeah, definitely. The, the business side of things has, was my only interest in terms of academics and following that path. And I like it because it's very general and very general, but in, at the same time, you could uh, like focus into many different aspects of the business side. Um, my, my dream as a kid was always to play professional soccer. And um, I knew that to do that, I wanted to at least get my, my academics and get my, uh, my university degree for, uh, for that to happen. So um, I definitely want to, to focus on my academic side. But now that it's nearing its end, it's definitely all football. And then once, once football, football is done, maybe any, any even a business side of business side of football would be interesting to me as well because I love the game. I love being around the game. I love everything that has to do with it, the fans, the, the supporters, the, the clubs, everything. So it's um, just being in a, in, a, in a program that could make me also stay into the sport and being kind of do whatever I want when I'm done. It's just a great opportunity. And um, I'm happy that I, I went through this path and I have no, no regrets for sure. You both kind of talked about pathways actually. Um... And so crazy, like you, you were a player at Carlson as well. Um, uh, like, I think you graduated in what, 2002? Yeah. Thanks for dating me there. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I mean, um, I'm originally... it's not too long before me. So it's kind of dating <laughs> myself too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I grad- I played for the program, you know, under uh, coach Sandy Mackey, um, you know, who's my mentor as well. And um, I graduated and I, I was working, but I, never, I, always, I always coached on the side. I mean, I coached, you know, in the Ottawa Fury Youth Program, the Youth Academy when they first came out and they were playing in the Super Y League. Um, I coached with the Ottawa Royals for a season. I played in local clubs here in the city. I, I had a one year where I played uh, for the Ottawa Wizards, you know, in the, in the CPSL. I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but then coaching wise, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I like to think that my, my journey was, is always, it's just, it was unique in the sense that coaching, I never really thought that I would, you know, be coaching at this level. I never thought I'd be coaching it, you know, full time as I am now. Um, but what, what ended up happening was that opportunities kept, you know, popping up, right. And I, the doors kept opening and I just kept walking through them. And, you know, I, I, I was, I'm not really risk adverse. I'm not, uh, I'm not one to say, well, if I do this, this is going to happen. I said, well, you know what? This is a great opportunity. I've worked this hard. Let me see what comes of it. And uh, I mean, I still remember when I when I first joined the coaching staff of, at Carleton University back in you know 2010, and and I, I had just come from Algonquin College. I was coaching there too as well. But I just remember it, it was like a, such a surreal moment for me. I was like, I'm back, kind of where I started, like the program that shaped me into the man that I am and the person that I am. You know, I'm now here, and I get to do that. With, with the next generation of Carlton players. So that was such, such a special moment for me. And, and then, you know, six years later, you know, when Coach Mackey and I started talking about, you know, he was looking at moving on and what I thought. And again, and it was another door that was being opened. And I felt at that time that, yeah, this is something I wanted to try and I wanted to do. And I thought I was ready for it. And, you know, I jumped into it, you know, didn't think anything of it. And, you know, and here we are. I mean, I'm talking about four years later, you know, head coach of the program and, it's, it's been quite the ride. I mean, uh, 
I mean, I, four years has gone by so quickly. I mean, I can't believe that, you know, Chris is on the verge of graduating and, and moving on. And um, it's been, it's been an incredible experience. I mean, I would never, you know, change anything. You know, my, my journey has, has allowed me to meet many different people and um, have that all of that have influenced me in some shape or form and the players and the athletes I've gotten to work with. I mean, some are, you know, many of them are local players here in the city and some are international and some are, you know, national. And it's, it's been great. The game has given me so much. and I'm, I'm so happy that I can give back, you know, in some form to my to the members of my team and, and people of the community as well. Now, it really seems like you're, you're, you know, over the last 20 years, you've just become so, you know, ingrained into uh, the soccer community in Ottawa. Um, and I'm wondering if you could provide some insight, like, you know, so Chris is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's chosen his pathway and now he's got a chance to, to, you know, uh, have a go at a pro career. Um, how has, like, how have the pathways available to kids in Ottawa changed over the last 20 years? Oh, it's, it's exploded. I mean, um, I remember when there, and even when I was playing, you know, uh, there was talk around, um, there was talk around, yeah, you know, if you, when you finish university, you could try and go and see, you know, if you can go overseas and play. But for me, that wasn't, that wasn't something I wanted to pursue. It wasn't something that was, you know, that I wanted to do personally. Um, You know, Ottawa Wizards came into the city and I said, okay, it's local. I wouldn't mind playing for them. But I mean, now um, there are opportunities all over. And I mean, and that's why when I made the comment, you know, there is no set pathway. There isn't. I mean, I've seen kids now at the age of 12 go overseas. I've seen kids now at the age of 18, 19, 20, you know, make a, a living, you know, playing in different parts of Europe, playing in South America. Um, and now you're seeing kids have the opportunity to play at home in Canada. And, and, I, and I just feel like now the game is now so much more accessible to players here in Canada, um, you know, particularly here now in Ottawa with, we have a, lo- a local team here in Ottawa, but the, the game has exploded. The, uh, the, the kids now have, have local players that they can look up to. I mean, you have, you have guys that play for my university at Carleton and you also have guys like Jonathan David who grew up, you know, in, in Ottawa are now playing, you know, over in, uh, in, in, in the French France. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, interesting story. I mean, you go back, you know, four or five years ago, and I remember, you know, Jonathan David playing in our indoor tournament. And it's insane when you, when you think about that. Right. But I mean, these are what, these are what kids are looking at and they, and they're seeing that it's accessible. I always want to make sure that, that kids understand there is no set pathway. There, there is none. I think you always just got to be prepared for when that opportunity presents itself. And if you're ready for that opportunity, then you'll take it. Right. And that's what I think it is. Speaking of uh, playing indoors, when do you guys think is the best time to move to the dome? Is that like when you just play until the snow flies, or is it like <laughs> minus ten and you're inside? Like, like when's the best time? Uh, I mean, I, I like to stay outside as long as possible. I mean, we have some we have some pretty some some interesting rules with regards to you know when you can wear track pants, when you wear gloves, when you can wear neck warmers, when you can wear toques. I mean, we kind of have a little gauge, you know, when the first snowfall, we say, okay, no pants, maybe some gloves. And then we kind of build it up from there. And, and by the time that guys are wearing full, you know, gear, you know, we kick it up a notch. We'll say, okay, now it's time to go inside, but you kind of have like a ranking system. Yeah. Pants. We'll let the pants come out, the tubes, but after that, okay, now it's time to go inside. Chris. 
Yeah, no comment on that for sure. <laughs> I'm sure Chris would like to go inside much sooner than I than I than I would think. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's an Coach. outdoor sport. We live we live in Canada. Coach. Yeah, we live in Canada. Uh, not and our national tournament for the past uh, I want to say two years now we've played we played in snow. Yeah, maybe three uh, except for BC. When we went to UBC in uh, 2018. That was there was no snow there. But I mean, the year before that in Thompson River, it was snow. Uh, you know, 2019, we versus played uh, uh, Montreal, it was, it was snow. So it's like, yeah. why are we rushing inside for it? I mean, when, if our expectation is to be competing for a national title, then we need to get acclimatized as quickly as possible. Right on. Um, so Chris, uh, now that you're drafted, like what are the next steps for you? Like, uh, you know, is Mista giving you any direction? Has he offered any words to you? Um, not yet. I've talked to uh, Fernando a bit. But um, right now, I know they're still in the building process of the club and acquiring new players. I know um, a lot of them are still in Madrid. So um, right now, it's just about me getting ready for the training camp process. And um, hope. And then once, uh, once the training camp comes along, then it's uh, just about performing and then hopefully getting a secure roster spot. And then once that happens, it's hopefully getting as many minutes as possible and proving myself to the team that I am a capable player and uh, – someone that they could count on as well. I think one of my last questions um, is Rikwazi again, actually. Um, I wonder what your overall impression of the draft is because um, it's, it's, it's new for, um, you know, it's new for soccer in this country. Um, like, is, is it like, is it good that the draft exists? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's such a unique partnership that the CPL has with, with U sport, which is the governing body of, of university sport here in Canada. Um, I mean, there's nowhere else in the world where, where you can be a 19-year-old attending a university, playing for your university team, get drafted, uh, and still have the ability to come back to your university and play and continue your education. There, there is no other setup like that. Um, I think the CPL and the U-Sport hit the nail on the head with that, right? I mean, I think education is extremely important. Uh, but I also think giving the opportunity for these young players to pursue their dream is just as important. And, you're, and at this point right now, you're not necessarily making them have to make a decision um, between the two. The other part of it, I think what's important is that we as a, as a country, we as a community, as a soccer community, are also learning about the professional side of the sport, right? And I think that's something is, a, is, a, is also an educational um, platform for, our, for, for young university athletes because... I mean, they're, 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 they've played club soccer and then, you know, a lot of them move into the university stream or the college stream. Um, professional is entirely different. That world is entirely different. I mean, you're talking about, you know, coaches, you know, I need to get results to keep their jobs. I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're looking at players, not just locally, but they're looking at players internationally. So they, they have so many other players to be able to select from. Um, you're talking about contracts. You're talking about, you know, being able to, uh, spend your days where you're training, you know, with the team. And then the rest of your day consists of, you know, either, you know, team meetings or individuals or just for yourself. It's just the understanding of rest and nutrition, um, you know, sleep, you know. So I think it's, I think it's such an important partnership. And, and what the CPL is bringing is not just a professional uh, league, but they're just bringing a better understanding of what it means to be a professional, how, how, to, how to go about um, preparing yourself, how to live that life and how to be successful at it. I think, you know, we, we see all the, the glitz and the glamour on social and, you know, we think that's what it is, but you don't really get to see the behind the scenes of these professional clubs. You don't really see how much work 
these athletes have to put in, or the sacrifice that they also have to put in as well, right? I mean, it's great that Chris has been drafted, but and my other two players have been drafted as well. But now, yeah, as Chris just alluded to, he now needs to go and prove himself in that environment. He needs to show his consistency. He needs to show that, you know, I'm warranted for minutes. I'm, I, can, I can help this team achieve its goals, right? So it's great that you're drafted and the excitement, that's fantastic. But now your mind needs to now shift. And now you need to really focus on what, it, what is it I need to be as a professional? How do I stay successful? Right. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to save my last question for Chris. Um, so Chris, I don't know if, um, you know, what the next few months are going to, you know, going to look like if, uh, you know, I know last year players were invited to in like Madrid, um, you know, at the Metropolitano. Um, so I, I, like, I don't know if you're going to be there or like a TD place, but you know, your first day with the club, you know, you're walking in, you got your phones on, what song are you playing to get yourself ready? Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a tough one. I I'm not sure about it. the thing about me is I love um, I I go through artists. It always it always changes. So it depends on the mood. I can't I can't just focus on one song too much, and I get a little tired of it. So it's always it's always it's always shuffling. It's always shuffling. Uh, depends depends how I'm feeling. If it's before a game, uh, maybe maybe a, a song that's gonna gonna calm me down just get me in my happy place and I know I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I love you know and if it's uh if I know I'm about to run for practice and maybe a little more intense song to get me a little more fired up and I know I need to use uh you know so tell you what what no, like, like what brings you to your happy place Chris oh well I'm not gonna lie I love Spanish music I love I love country music those two music those two songs that that just bring brings joy brings uh brings joy for sure um and definitely a little a little edm little 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 some beats you know so that's always that's always uh enjoyment as well but uh no i can't i can't just say i can't really put my finger on just one particular song or one particular artist i'm very diverse in that in that sense and uh yeah those uh definitely spanish spanish because of the football football culture just got me hooked on it i have a few spanish friends that that got me hooked on it a few years ago and i've i've never i've never looked back since you know well if you're heading to madrid the whole like you know hopefully you'll just fit right in there you go that's no hopefully hopefully fingers (laughs) crossed for you i hope you enjoyed that chat with chris malikos and kwesi loney we want to thank them both for joining And actually, I think that's going to wrap things up for episode one of The Step Over. Uh, I want to thank you for joining. Remember to like and subscribe on whatever app you're using. Uh, Five stars, all that stuff. Or don't. Uh, I'm not your parent. You can do what you want. What you do is your business. But I do hope you'll join for episode two. Uh, And three, four. We got lots more in the pipeline. What the? Um, I said get! We'll see ya. Studio audience, back!